We want to take back up in our text this evening at verses 5 and 6 of Mark chapter 4 and then verses 16 and 17. Again, that's in Mark chapter 4 and we're in verses 5 and 6 and then we'll go to verses uh, uh, 16 and 17. Okay, first we see in verses uh, uh, 5 and 6, And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Now let's drop on down here to verses 16 and 17. He says, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Well, let's pray. Father, now we go into this message tonight realizing, Lord, that uh, some things that uh, may say here tonight, Lord, uh, they may by the world be called controversial, but I know uh, that there's no controversy in your word that it's all settled, it's all straight, it's all right. We just have to believe it and act on it. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to rightly divide your word tonight. I pray that you would encourage every believer. And Lord, there may be those out there tonight that are just uh, <clears throat> dealing with some of the things that we will deal with tonight. And I pray that it will be a help to them. And Lord, if there's one in our auditorium who does not know if they died tonight that heaven's their home, may tonight be the night they come to receive Christ as Savior. And we would ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, <clears throat> We've been looking at this parable of the sower, and we've seen the wayside soil, and the soil is the heart, okay? And we saw that seed was sown in that heart. The devil came and took it away. The devil does that. He, a lot of people hear the gospel, they realize they're not saved, but the devil immediately hits them with, hey, you don't want to do that. Uh, Hey, you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to repent. You're going to have this. And then it's just all these things that the devil gives them, and they, they see that seed taken out. They get out of the church, or they get away from that witness, and they won't be around them again. By the way, in saying that, let me say this. The seed is the Word of God that we sow. People sometimes say, you're going to chase them away. If they're not there, where are they? On the way to hell. So you don't chase them away. We are trying to chase them away. We're trying to chase them away from hell. And so they need the word. And sometimes people don't get saved the first time they hear it. Sower kept sowing seed. They, you sow it once, they have to go back and get it again. Sow it again. Sow it again. You never give up on a soul. And then we looked at the stony ground. Boy, it hits. Man, they're so happy. Man, this feels great. You know, they've got a guilty conscience. They've got something else going on in their life. And boy, it really feels good to feel like you're forgiven and all that. And they're so happy and they want to get in church and, uh, you know, they want to sing the choir. They want to uh, be just active in the Sunday school class or whatever. They, they just want to be a part of the people of God. And then the word is preached and sin is pointed out that, uh, in life and other things that come along for the word's sake. And they'll find that sometimes family, friends, they don't want anything to do with them with that. Those troubles come up, and before you know it, uh, they're offended. Why? Because their joy was in a feeling, but they didn't really have a commitment to where the seed was in the heart planted firmly to stay. So when that sun of persecution or trials or whatever comes up, certainly those things happen and they are defeated. And so he said there in verses 16 to 17, just to read that again, and these are they likewise, which are sown on the stony ground, who which when, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, who which uh, are sown on stony ground, who 
when they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure, but for a while, afterward, when affliction and persecution ariseth, all those problems that hit life, the first thing is to blame God, relieve ourselves of the responsibility, and really have no true commitment to Christ. And so for the word's sake, immediately they are offended, and that dies because the root of the truth was not really in their heart. And so we kind of left off there, and we're talking about some things that can come up in life, things that happen in life that have been real things. Now, I said some things today about PSTD. Now, let me, let me help you with this a little bit, you know. Uh, I understand there are things, there are ways that we think, there are things that get us upset, there are things that we get mad at, and there are chemical changes that take place in our body as a result. I think one of the wisest things is to be angry and sin not. But the Lord told us. He warns us against wrath, anger, envy, so many things that He warns us against. And when we don't do His will, some of those times those things actually cause chemical changes in your body. Now there are some things, for example, a lady having a baby, she's going to have some changes in her body, okay? And, and so there's some things, but you know what? They've got the various things they give them that helps them through that. But a lot of times we get uh, things like PSTD and, and things like that, uh, PTSD, should I say, and we get wondered, well, there's nothing for that. And they say, oh, yes, we have it. We have it. And so what they have is a calming drug and a telephone call that you make after you've really messed up big time, and then you call somebody up that'll answer, well, let us take you through this, and you go through the same things all over again in many cases. And so as troubles uh, are defined and handled by the world, it's much different than the counsel of the Lord, the counsel of the world. Uh, the example of the world's way, and I, and I said this this morning, is with the things such as post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay, that happens. So often we see it happens with people coming home from war, but it's not just war, but it, that's one of the things that, it, that happens. And, and uh, so they come back from war, and, and, and it's a very real thing. I, I don't doubt that. There are people that come from battle, and they get on drugs, they get on alcohol. They've chosen ways the world offers to deal with their problem. It's not the way God offers. But the world does offer things. And there's a momentary escape, but there's not a victory over the problem. The drug wears off, the alcohol wears off, and they either got to get a drink or they, they've got to uh, take a drug or it's right back there. I, one of the times last year I was in the hospital, uh, uh, they, they were talking about, well, we've got to get some alcohol for them. We've got to get some, I think, beer, wine, whatever they kept down there. Uh, I said, wait a minute, an alcoholic? You're giving them more? And they said, yeah. I says, if we don't, if we don't the person will die. What alcohol does to the body, if they don't get, a, get that into them, they would die before the night is out. It was the way it was explained to me. It's kind of like they're giving it now as a drug. And so that's something that when they're going through whatever it is the alcoholic goes through on that, the drunkard, they've got to have that uh, to try to work with that guy, with that lady whoever it may be. So those are things that just come up, and it's the world's way of handling things as they get. These guys that come home from war, yes, uh, those things were, were hard. They hit them, but uh, you have these things, they will happen in life. And let me just say that uh, with the, <laughs> and I'm not trying to be funny here, 
But I think it's interesting that uh, you got a lot of people now, military, other and federal jobs that are quitting because they're required to get a vax. And although it doesn't get reported, there's quite enough few cases where people got the vax and then they get they die. So, uh, and I'm not I'm not making a political stand. I'm just saying that some people get the vax and then they get sick and then they may get over it or they got to worry about, okay, what's the next variant going to come because now I've got that stuff in me. It's only going to make it worse on the next variant and that's proven out as well. And so now there's at a point where they're saying, I've got PSTD. I'm all upset about this and all that. And, but I don't know if they're going to be allowed to call it that if they got PSTD from a, uh, facing the vax. I, I don't know. But isn't that interesting? that some things that we say that you can only get it from this or from that. Now, <clears throat> I wonder about that sometimes, but I really don't know uh, on it. Now, my dad was in World War II. He knows what it was has somebody all of a sudden get shot right beside him and dead right there, standing beside him. Uh, a couple of the stories she told me, they, these are hard, so I, but I want to tell you these stories. One was the German soldier I, in exchange of fire. That German soldier was laying there on the ground. He went over. His job was to go in and check their pockets, see if there's any papers in them, and the, still alive. But when he looked down, he saw that that was about a 16 or 17-year-old kid that Germany was using there near the end of the war. He's fighting in the Battle of the Bulge and Patton's army. But as he was there, that German teenage boy started talking to him in German. He wasn't cussing him out or anything or angry with him. He was, it was kind of like a dying plea, dying words. And my dad didn't understand it. And dad tried to talk to him and he didn't understand English words. And he died there in his arms. I, I think that it would affect you that even years later you remember about it. He told me about staying in buildings when they'd be at a place where they were kind of pinned down and they'd have dead bodies laying around them. He told about they found a pile of charcoal and covered the dead bodies with it just for the odor and things because you didn't have anything else. I think that would stick with people, don't you? He talked of um, somehow a man got his head blown off. I mean, there was a head of a whole head, just like when David chopped off Goliath's head, and they they reset it. One of the soldiers reset it there near the entrance, figuring if an enemy soldier comes up, it might scare them off. Now, now you think of that. And a lot of those World War II guys, uh, they had cases. They came out, and they found that many <clears throat> handled it with drugs or alcohol. Now, I, I found that many of these World War II veterans that did go through those wars, that seen all those things, come out, they're hard memories, but they dealt with it. They dealt with it. And went on with life, with their families, and everything else. And some say, well, it didn't affect him like it did that one, and yet they went through the same things. So something was a difference. My dad in the military was already a Christian. He already knew his Lord. He was a witness. So he had something that was far greater than drugs or alcohol that would help him through this. But you see, it's not only uh, military where these things happen. Molested children, spouses being beaten severely by their spouse. One lady I met while I was in a sales meeting, uh, before I was in the ministry, I was in a sales meeting, and the guy teaching the meeting, heading the meeting, wanted to do an illustration, and he put some paper in a paper basket, metal paper basket, so it wasn't going to, anything going to go bad, it was just paper, and he lit up and the fire just kind of came up. He wanted the fire to come up. That lady let out a scream and took off running out the door. And they got it out, and then we found out the story. Uh, she was in a house fire and almost didn't make it. 
and that fire, she responds that way around the fire. Okay, and, and none of us knew it, but that was her response when she saw that fire. Uh, some, their parents abandoned them. I mean, they were kids and suddenly their parents just abandoned them. Some, it may be a spouse that passed away and it just seems like everything has gone wrong and, and all of a sudden it changes them. And so the world, what do they do? They have the calming drugs. They have the group therapy with, uh, who have people in the group, may have gone through some of the same things, and they are advising one another, and yet the ones who are advising one another aren't really truly over it yet. And they're going through it. They've just, they're somehow learning to live with it. And one of the ways they do that when things really get bad, they call one another on the telephone, showing that it really never went away. Uh, I worked for the state of Florida back in the 70s, and, and working for the state of Florida, I worked with incarcerated uh, juveniles that were teenagers. And I remember one of my jobs was not only to be a house parent, not only to be in charge of lockup, but also to be a group therapy leader. Now, to be frank with you, I had no idea what group therapy was, but I sat in on a lot of groups before I took that position. And it was pretty well the same thing. Everybody learned the answers. I remember one of the answers was, before you do that, check yourself. Before you do that, check yourself. It's not a bad idea, you know. Uh, you're making a decision, uh, but how do you check yourself, you know? And, and so you, you, you think of all those things they give, and we'd do group therapies, and they'd get done, you know, and everybody came up with the answer, and then the next day we'd see some of the same problems coming right back up again. Uh, when I heard about group therapy, how great it was, by the time... I finished with the state, I said, that is the biggest crock of baloney I've ever heard of, you know. And I said, I'd never suggest group therapy to anybody. You got people advising people who've committed the same problems or have the same problems, telling others how to deal with it when they're not really dealing it with them themselves. You know, um, we've had some of you folks that have had cancer. You've gone through treatments, you've had surgery, you've had radiation, you, you've had chemo, and the cancer's completely gone. There was something to take care of it. They worked with it. Brother uh, Sutton gave the testimony of the transplants. You know, transplants don't always work. And he realized that even with the skilled surgical people that are there, it wasn't totally their skill, it was the work of the hand of God that did it, okay? And so, uh, we want to give, the world wants to give credit to the world for its advancement. But I found that our Lord is the great physician, and He is the great counselor. Now, some like to uh, go to professional counselors. And even some of them uh, fancy themselves as Christian counselors who have the answers to our problems. Now, I think once you're healed of cancer, you just don't keep going back and saying, I need more surgeries and I need more uh, chemo and I need more radiation. No, once it's healed, it's, once it's gone, they say it's, you're, you're cancer-free. You know what? You're cancer-free. Can cancer come back? Well, if it's not in your body, it's not going to come back. Something could come back, but it wasn't the one you had. So I'm just saying is, is that, yes, these things can happen. But they come back to get more help uh, for people who have responded in anger. Maybe it's towards their family. Maybe it's towards just other people. In other words, they are just really angry, 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 and they never really had real healing. 
because things go good for a little while and then boom, it's the same problem all over again. It happened again. Now again, some of you uh, perhaps have had to deal with that and thank God for good spouses who remain faithful in your time of need. Be, be thankful for that. Be thankful that they did that. But, you know, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. The world has ways that they try to handle it. All I'm saying, I'm not condemning the world for it. I'm commending Christ for what He can do. You see, the world has an answer that is usually minus Christ. As I said, calming drugs. It's got other things that they do. I mean, if you're diabetic, aren't you thankful that they do have shots that help you and other pills that you take to help you through that? Yeah, you're thankful for that. Those things deal with that. But what I'm saying here is that there are things of this nature, dealing with anger, dealing with wrath, that will do things in you that uh, takes a drug to basically put you in la-la land or some other way just in order to get you calmed down. And they, they work in that order, in that way. Now, for Christians, PTSD is the promise to sure deliverance. That's what we have. We don't have it because it's something that we devise. We have it because it's what the Lord has devised. It's what His Word has devised. It comes from the one who is the great counselor. He is the great physician. He is the one who even in this day still does the miraculous. That's why we pray. Make sure you belong to Jesus for the promises that he has. For an example, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 6, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You give yourself to Christ, he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Doesn't mean you won't go through problems, trials of life that everybody goes through. I mean, we live long enough, and several of you already know this, you'll lose a spouse. The Lord will take them on home. They get to go home first. But the Lord doesn't leave you at that time. He's there with you to help you and to try to strengthen you. And you find out that you lean more on Him than you've ever leaned anymore. And you found out that the pastor or anybody else can't give you the comfort that you get from God's Word. That makes the difference. So He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Our victory starts with our personal responsibility to do what God wants us to do. First of all, we see that in Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. There it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Why do you keep your mind stayed on the Lord? Because you trust him. If you don't keep your mind stayed on the Lord, evidently you have a trust problem. You see? He trusteth in thee. See, our commitment is to Christ. It is a life commitment, a commitment as important and might even say more important than the commitment of marriage. And if you don't want to make that commitment, just understand you're like that seed on the rock. You have no real root for the victory that is there for you to have. That is victory in Jesus, as the song says as we find out so often from the Word of God. So if you break off commitment, you basically walk away. As a Christian, you walk away from the promise of ongoing, regardless of the trial or situation, ongoing perfect peace. And so, we must trust the Lord for it all. 
Uh, next verse, verse 4 of Isaiah says there, Trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So if you don't remain there, then you're the one who rips the peace out of your life, not God. You left him. Remember what Mary and Joseph did when they went to Jerusalem and Jesus is 12 years old? And then they leave and Jesus is back there. Where did they find Jesus? Where they left him. Where they left him. See, people say, I once was a fundamental independent Baptist, but I didn't like it, I didn't like it, I got away from that. Now they're going through these troubles. What do they need to do? They need to go back where they left him. They need to go back to where they're preaching the word, where they're standing on the right Bible, where there is standards, where there is righteousness. Yes, it's different from the world. I didn't get saved by the world. I got saved by Christ from my sin. Not to sin. We're saved by His great and wonderful grace. In Him is everlasting strike, uh, strength. So don't remain uh, away uh, in uh, other areas. Don't let your mind remain in other areas that would take you from that. Because then you're responsible, not God, for the failure. Look, trials hit. We live in a world that when Adam and Eve sinned, they that had command over all the fishes of the sea, all the animals, over all the trees, over everything, the day they sinned, Satan got it. He took that place that was for Adam and Eve. That's why when Jesus is on the mountain, he's being tempted, and he says, Satan says to him, all these kingdoms will I give to thee if you'll bow down and worship me, for they are mine to give. He was right, they were his to give. He was the prince in the power of the air now. He's the one that was over them. He had that power. But let me tell you something about Satan's power. It does not save you. It does not deliver you from the consequence of sin. The only way that's going to happen is through the precious shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, trials hit, persecutions hit, afflictions hit. That's the result of the world that we live in. One day we will die if the Lord tarries His coming. It comes in your life if you leave that commitment to Christ, to His Word, thereby you leave your help, your strength, your deliverance. And don't say, well, God didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't. Regardless of the situation, stick with the Lord. If you keep in the way of God's Word, meditating in His Word, seeking unceasingly to obey it, you're going to have victory. Uh, Psalms 63, verse 1 says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land. Where no water is. Why? Because the water of life is the place that you've left into the wilderness of sin. With all of its promises has left you dry in the very depths of your soul and spirit. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 17 says, I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. You hear what God's saying? Proverbs, a book of wisdom, instruction in wisdom. Again, he says, I love them that love me. 
and those that seek me early shall find me. What should we do? My friend, I would say get up at the very least. 30 minutes earlier than you really need to get up to go to work or whatever it is you do to get ready to go to work. Get up at least 30 minutes earlier than that. And start your time in, in the Word of God and prayer. Start there first. That's the first thing. When prayer and time in the Bible is a priority in our life, make sure that you remember that after you close that book and you say amen, to take it with you wherever you go. So I was talking about group therapy a little while ago. You have group therapy. You have counselors. What do you do? You walk out of the counselor's room. You walk out of the group therapy. Later, you're in trouble. Why? Well, it didn't work. For one thing, number and the second thing is, your mind is, well, I can always go back to group, or I can always go back to the counselor and find out something else. Hey, walk with God. He's already there, and He's with you wherever you go. You don't have to go back. You stay with Him. Stay with Him. Walk with Him. Walk with Him throughout the day. You say, preacher, you don't understand. I got a job. I got to do that. I got to do that. I know you do. But have you ever been driving down the road and you're thinking about what am I going to do here and what am I going to do there? And maybe you're thinking about a ball game. Maybe you're thinking about uh, something you want to do this year or whatever. What about thinking on what you've read that morning? Read your Bible every morning as if you had to teach it to somebody. Ask God by His Holy Spirit to teach you about what you read and open a door for you to share that word with someone. It may be to edify a fellow saint. It may be to help somebody that's in a, going through a problem in their life. Giving them God's answer instead of the world's answer. I mean, there's so many things. There may be things in your own life that God begins to open your understanding and say, Oh, Oh, that's right. How did I miss that? You know, I've pushed in here since I've been a pastor. Read the Bible through each year. I mean, I've done that. I took over in 1986 as a senior pastor. From that day, I mean, I've always pressed, read the Bible through each year. And many of you have. You've read the Bible through. You know what? Now you'd think, and I started, the first time I read the Bible from start to end, the first time I ever did that, didn't have a schedule, I just did it. I was so amazed at how the Bible is one book. <laughs> you know, we say six or six books. To me, it was one book because it all worked together. It worked together. And by the way, I wasn't a Bible college student at the time. I was just a married, young married man with two kids at the time. And so in 1974, I read it through the, for the first time. I got so much out of that. After that, I've read it through every year, except this past year. I listened through it most of the year because I couldn't read. But outside of that, it's been, a, oh, it's been the joy of my heart. But you know what? It's also made me feel like the dumbest guy in the United States, if not in the world. By this time, I've read that thing through at least 50 times. Because some years I've read it through a couple times. Why didn't I see that there before? How did I miss that? That is so good. How did I miss that? Maybe I was trying to understand it myself instead of letting the Holy Spirit show me. Speak to my heart as I'm reading. When you get up from that Bible time, that time in God's Word, Take it with you. His name shall be called the Word of God. That's speaking of Jesus Christ. So take His name with you wherever you go. What you read that morning, that morning, you think on it. You meditate on it. Let it be a part of your life. Let God's Word and your prayer, let it be important in your life. Psalms 119.105, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The lamp unto my feet shows me myself. The light to my path shows me the way God wants me to go. I can honestly say, 
that before coming to this church, before I went to the first church as pastor, before I ever went out to Arizona, I sought the Lord. Got things from His Word that gave me the go ahead and do it. I wasn't looking forward to go ahead. I was looking for, in one of those cases, I was looking for don't go. But God, I knew, said go. Well, what you see is you get to know His Word and you get to know His person and you let His Spirit teach you. His voice becomes very familiar in your heart. You know if it's of God because His voice will never contradict any part of the Word of God. Will never. It should be our desire that the voice of God in our heart is just as familiar or more familiar than the voice of our spouse in our ear. And that's something that you walk with God Meditate on His Word. Yes, you've got to have your mind on your work when you're working. Yes, you've got to uh, think about a mechanic gets there and looks at the thing, at the car, a doctor doing surgery. Yes, that's the time they think through what they're doing on that. But I'll tell you what, even the mechanic, even the surgeon will tell you that they don't think through surgery 24-7. Those times they're not doing their work, they had time to think on other things. Let's go watch a football. Hey, let's go here for vacation this year. Hey, let's do that. Why did they do that? Because they were thinking about it. We've got time to think about those things. We've got time to think about the things of the Lord, do we not? We've got time to meditate in His things and let His Word be the lamp to our feet and the light into our path. You must be in it to know His mind because the Word of God reveals to us the mind of God. So you must be in it with a commitment to meditate on it and think on it as you go throughout the day. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. Sometimes I'll, I'll just go to that entire chapter there, but and especially those last verses, more people associate with those last verses, but a lot of times I just pray through that chapter as a prayer. You say, do you have your eyes open reading? Yeah. I'm old. You think my memory's good? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I do it. Because it teaches me even more about praising God. Listen to these words. He says, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not. He doesn't quit. He never leaves nor forsakes. He fainteth not. Neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increases strength. What are you battling? What gives you what the world calls P, uh, PTSD instead of God's PTSD? You see, he says here, to show you the difference in verse 30, even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall new, renew their strength. You know that word wait, you go to Psalms chapter 27, it all tells you about waiting on the Lord. Let me simplify it as much as I can. Wait has the idea, now we think, okay, I'm waiting around now. Hurry up, Lord. You know, no. Wait is to wait a table. It's the idea that's behind it. In other words, you do what you're supposed to do for the Lord. You just keep on faithful and don't give up. You don't give up on it. Just keep on doing what you're supposed to do until the Lord shows you the next step. Till the Lord shows you what to do. Till the Lord does what needs to be done in your life. Sometimes he must allow us to go 
through that trial, that trouble. I mean, didn't, we, we talk about Job, but didn't Jesus Christ? He went through even worse than what Job went through. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They are the ones who truly trust the Lord and they stay with Him. You know, you've got to be patient. You know, wasn't it Job that Christ commended in His earthly ministry for His faith? When He went through all of that, He did not curse God. He did not turn from God. All He wanted to know is, God, I want to know why. And yet God had to even put that off. Old Satan says, yeah, well, look how well you blessed that guy. Yeah, he'll, he'll, let, he'll let, get rid of you if you do this, do that. Yeah, I don't think anybody with PTSD has gone through worse than Job. But he did it. Why? Because it was in the Lord. He didn't have the drugs. He didn't have the counselors. He didn't have all these other people. But he had the great counselor and the great physician. And that was the great difference. The great difference. Wait. Wait, my friend. Wait on the Lord. Now, as I think of that, let's use our greatest example. Jesus rose up a great while before day. No, he didn't just say he rose up before day. It says he rose up a great while before day. He meditated and prayed, fighting the attacks of the devil, uh, you know, the devil attacked Christ. That was like the dry, rocky ground, or even the one to follow would be the thorny ground. But he attacked Christ. And how did he fight the devil? In his humanity. He didn't fight him in his deity on those things. He's fighting him in his humanity. It's an example on how we should fight the devil in the trials of life. It sounds like a machine gun. It is written. It is written. It is written. Just like it rattles off like a machine gun. When the devil attacked with his things, with his temptation, his, the things that he was trying to do, Jesus would fire it right back at him. It is written. It is written. Why? Because Satan can never, 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 never take down the word of God. It endureth forever. Never. And that's how we fight the devil. Psalms 119, 107, the psalmist states that it is my meditation all the day. Uh, you think, well, I don't have that kind of time. Uh, the psalmist was a king of a country besides being a warrior. You think you don't have time? The promise is from God. It is His promise. It is the promise to sure deliverance. Starts in His Word, in obedience to it. Our responsibility is to keep it ever before us. It is a love promise. Stronger, even I would say, than the commitment of love and marriage. Uh, you ladies, you guys, maybe you were separated before you got married. You're engaged, but you had to go to another state or something like that. And you had to work somewhere else. You had to be somewhere else for a year or so. Boy, did you look forward to those letters? Ah, oh, that idiot wrote me again. <laughs> no, they didn't do that. Those things were special. It felt good to go back and read those from time to time. Read them again. They meant something to you. What does the Word of God mean to us? Just what does it mean? Think about that. 
Commitment to daily in the Word first. The first thing, having a time of prayer. You know, that prayer, going along with that, Psalm 62, 8. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Meaning, Selah meaning, think about God is the power. God is the victory for us. Think on it. Pour out your heart to Him. I mean, people go into counselors and they pour out their heart. You know, sometimes I'm doing uh, the counseling for premarital counseling for young couples. I tell them we get in trouble as you go to work and you had a bad night, you had an argument, and the next day you're talking about it to a Somebody of the opposite sex, and they're so understanding. A few days later, they come about the problem they're having, and you're so understanding. Before too long, you're starting to develop a relationship that shouldn't be there because you're sharing your heart with somebody God didn't provide for you to share your heart with. If you don't like to share your heart with your spouse, then there is one better. Pour out your heart to God. And there are things that you do at times have to pour out your heart to God more than your spouse. He's given your spouse as a helpmeet, but he's the one whose will, power, and direction we must have. If you can't pour out your heart to God, just know, know this, that there is no one, not even your spouse, who is his equal, which you can... Not better. You can't better that. There's no equal to Him. And if you will trust Him wholly, then there is unending good. All things work together for good to them that love God, for those who are the called according to His purpose. Do you realize if you're saved, you're called? We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained, that is called us, ordained that we should walk in them. If you have the time to think on whatever it is that bothers you, that what you've suffered in the past, then obviously you're not using that time to meditate in His Word. If you're not going to do that, then don't expect victory. It's not going to come. In Psalms 12, 6 and 7, God says He will preserve His Word from this generation forever. Generations, as I've told you plenty of times before, are not in heaven. Generations, they don't, angels don't reproduce. Generations are on earth. God's Word is preserved. He also says it's preserved in heaven too. The Word of God will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. Last time I looked, heaven and earth hasn't passed away, has it? His Word is still intact, and it's still for us. It's still for us. What you do? You turn it over to Jesus Christ, the Lord. Have you, as I have, heard people very afraid of what's going to happen to this country? It's going to turn to socialism. They don't want you to have your Bibles. They don't want you to have your guns. They don't want you to have this. And they're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to blah, 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 and all those things. And terrible things are going to happen to this country. But you know what? Even an entire country with nuclear power, my Lord is more powerful. Instead of being troubled about that, I mean, we need to do what we can. There's no doubt about it. We need to do what we can to help our country do what's right. Instead of this anti-God, anti-family, anti-everything that they are promoting. But stand on the Word. Never say, I've got to a point where I don't have to have that 
prayer, it's not as important to me as it once was. No, it's always important. I've found it grows more important to me as I've grown older. Prayer, the Word of God, meditating on it. This sermon, I didn't mean to say this, but this sermon began through my personal devotions. It spoke to me before it ever spoke to you. You see, we can't expect victory if there's no root in our heart. And that root, the true vine, the true vine, and we are the branches. Abide, abide, abide in the branch. In His Word, meditating on day and night. Boy, we have it so much better than New Testament people. New Testament, early New Testament, early church era, they had to go to a place where somebody had a copy of the Old Testament scrolls and the things that maybe some of the, those that had already written that were still not completed New Testament. That's what, where they had to go and to hear it read. It wasn't at their hand. I imagine many of them shake their head in heaven. How in the world could they have it right there in their hand and ignore it? They had to listen to it and then meditate on what they heard. Paul told Timothy, give attendance to reading. Was telling him he read is they'd stand up in the synagogues and in the churches and read, listen, to meditate, and let it be part of your life and let the Holy Spirit of God apply it to you. I don't know what you're going through. We all have trials. We all have troubles. We have things that have lingered for years in our heart or in our mind. But guess what? The victory is still in Jesus. It's still in Jesus. Let's bow our heads, please.